Welcome to the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you understand the Bible better so you can have a better relationship with God and what your pastor never told you.com, helping you navigate the end times so you can stand firm until the return of Christ. Get ready. This is not your average Bible study. This is not for the faint of heart. If it's controversial and in the Bible, we'll talk about it. We are unashamedly, unabashedly, and unpredictably bringing out the truth in God's Word. And now, introducing your dynamic hostess with the mostest. She's an international speaker, author, and self-admitted nerd for the Word, Dana Crosby. How do I know the rapture's not going to happen on September 23rd, 2017? Well, that's coming up next. Make sure to visit whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. Hey everybody, this is Dana with the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you to understand the Bible better so that you can have a better relationship with God. Welcome to Bible Study Today. Now, many of you guys that have been online, looking on YouTube, watching the internet, have seen all kinds of videos with all different opinions about the events that are about to happen, um, wondering about September 23rd. Is it the Revelation 12 sign spoken of in the Bible? And I have a two-part series for you guys that I will link to right here. If you push the little I button, you'll be able to click and watch those videos if you have not seen those already. But we go through Revelation 12 in depth and talk about what does it actually mean? Is this the sign? that's happening on September 23rd. Let's compare what the Bible has to say with what's about to happen. And if it is the sign, what does that actually mean? Now, in the meantime, I have seen many, many videos and many, many speculations from Christians saying that September 23rd is going to be the rapture or could potentially be the rapture. And while on one hand, I will say, it is right for Christians to be looking toward the Jewish fall feast um, as far as end times fulfillment goes. And the next fall feast that is about to be fulfilled is the Feast of Trumpets. So we know that at some year in the future, Jesus is going to fulfill the fall feasts. He has already fulfilled all four of the spring feasts, and he is going to fulfill the three fall feasts. The first one is mostly known as Rosh Hashanah in modern day Judaism, but it's actually Yom Teruah, which stands for the blowing the blowing of the trumpets, as it were. We also call it the Feast of Trumpets. And then we have Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And then we have Sukkot, which is also known as the Feast of Tabernacles and is a picture of the millennial reign of Christ. So we have these feasts that have still yet to be fulfilled by Messiah. And so it is right that Christians look toward these feasts and these dates that are fast approaching. By the way, if you want to learn more about the fulfillment of both the spring feasts and the fall feasts, we just did an interview with Pastor Emmanuel Gomez of One New Man Temple of Hope, and he did an amazing job of sharing with us what these feasts are all about, why did God institute these things, and what is the messianic fulfillment, what are the messianic mysteries tied up in these feasts that we should unlock as Christians so that we can understand what is about to transpire in the future. So if you haven't had a chance to watch that interview yet, I'm going to put it up here in the corner for you so that you can go ahead and click on that and watch that video as well. Okay, so while I think it's right for us to be looking for the next messianic fulfillment to be the Feast of Trumpets at some year in the future, we know for sure that this year cannot be the rapture. How do we know that this is the case? Let me share with you. That's what we're going to study today in today's Bible study. We're going to start our Bible study today in 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 1 through 10. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and are gathering together with him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come until the apostasy has come first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called good, excuse me, above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he now who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and will bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. We're going to dissect this verse by verse. So in verse 1, we find out that this is regarding, quote, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering and our gathering together with him so that they will, quote, not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by spirit of message or a letter as if it were from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let's look at this a little more closely. The first point that we can learn from this is number one, the day of the Lord has not already come. The second thing that we can glean from this is that the day of the Lord is equated with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we see right here, it's regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him. So the coming of the Lord and the gathering of us together with him is the beginning of this event, the day of the Lord. And it says here that you shouldn't be quickly shaken from composure that to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. So what can we glean from this is that the people had been being deceived by those around because they'd been undergoing persecution and they had thought maybe we have somehow missed the rapture. Maybe somehow we are not in God's favor. Maybe we've missed the rapture and we are here undergoing these things. And Paul is reassuring them, no, the day of the Lord hasn't already come. You didn't miss the boat. And we know that it hasn't already come because the Antichrist has not yet been revealed. Okay, let me back up and say that he says he shows them that the coming of the Lord is also equated with the day of the Lord. In Paul's mind, these two things are together. The coming of the Lord begins the day of the Lord. And this is really important because this phrase, the day of the Lord, is not exclusive to the New Testament. This is a concept that began in the Old Testament, and it is often in reference to the judgment of the Lord coming upon the earth. So we see that Jesus's arrival is both going to be our redemption from the earth and our redemption from God's wrath, because the Bible says we're not appointed to God's wrath. It doesn't mean that we never face troubles or trials or persecutions, but the Bible says that we are not going to have to endure God's wrath. Why? Jesus already endured God's wrath. So we are not going to have to endure that, but that our redemption is going to happen at the same time his judgment comes. Now we see this other places in the Bible as well, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's really important, even though I'm I'm pulling these little things out of this first sentence. We have to get this foundation that Paul equates these two things. 
and that he uses them interchangeably, the day of the Lord and the coming of our Lord and our gathering to him. So there's this event, the coming of our Lord and our gathering to him is equated with the day of the Lord. This is an obvious reference to rapture. Now you guys might be thinking, of course the rapture is linked to the coming of our Lord. But you might be surprised to learn that many pre-trib teachers teach that the rapture is a separate event from the coming of the Lord, that the rapture is somehow the secret event, and that the coming of the Lord happens later. But the Bible is pretty clear here that the coming of the Lord is, and we're going to find this out in other scriptures, the coming of the Lord is going to be visible by everyone on earth, for every eye will see him. It will be like lightning going from one end of the earth to the other. And so the coming of the Lord is going to be a visible, prominent, public event and that is when the rapture happens it's not going to happen in some secret way to defer the day of the lord until later it's not like that so the terminology that most christians use is this terminology of rapture and the idea is is our gathering together with him in the clouds that is the idea behind the rapture and this is part of the event of jesus's coming and it is also known as the day of the lord i think you guys get the point that i'm having here and it's important that we really nail down this foundation at the risk of being repetitive. So then let's move on and let's look at verse three. It says, let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. So let's ask ourselves, what will not come? It says it will not come unless, what's the it? We have to go back to verses one and two, what we read and we find it is referring to the day of the Lord and our gathering unto him. In other words, the rapture. So he's saying the rapture will not happen until the man of lawlessness is revealed. Also, that an apostasy has to come first or a falling away. About point one, some people who are of the pre-tribulation rapture belief, they will try to say that that word apostasy in the Greek is better translated a going out. And they want to interpret that as a rapture idea that when it says going out it doesn't really mean falling away but it actually means a going out of the world and getting caught up to the Lord but let's look at this further and see if this really makes sense let's try inserting the word rapture into the sentence here and see if it makes any sense so Paul's telling us that the day of the Lord and the rapture will not happen until that apostasy happens first but let's try it the pre-trib way the day of the Lord and the rapture will not happen unless the rapture comes first because they want to substitute apostasy with the idea of rapture. So if that's what Paul is really trying to communicate, then it would say the day of the Lord and the rapture will not happen until the rapture comes first. That doesn't really follow. That doesn't work in that context. So we know that that is not a correct interpretation of that. And it is much better appropriately translated as apostasy, which comes directly from the Greek. Also, this completely agrees with what Jesus told us and Matthew would happen in the end. Let's check this out. Matthew 24, verse 10. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. So Paul reiterates Jesus' position that there would be a great apostasy, false teaching, false prophets, a great falling away that would happen, and it would increase before the Antichrist and before Jesus' return. Let's examine the second point. 
Paul tells us that the man of lawlessness would be revealed before the day of the Lord and the rapture. Who is this man of lawlessness? He tells us in verse 4, it is he who, quote, opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? This is obvious reference to the Antichrist and again parallels what Jesus told us in Matthew 24, verses 15 through 22. After the great falling away, Jesus talks about the Antichrist setting up the abomination of desolation and that this would happen before his return and the rapture. Isn't it amazing how in Jesus's discourse with them, the Olivet Discourse, that's what it's called, that, that during this talk with them, he actually tells them what happens before and what happens after. Isn't that wonderful that he thought we should know? It's so amazing. That way we don't have to be confused and misled by false teachings. So since Jesus makes reference to Daniel, it's important for us to also look at Daniel. Daniel makes several references to the Antichrist, aka the one who makes the abomination of desolation. Here's one such reference in Daniel 9, verses 26, part B and 27. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war and desolations are determined. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of that week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations, will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that, is one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Daniel's um, seventh week that he talks about, it's actually a seven year period. And this is talking about the fact that the Antichrist is going to confirm a covenant with many for the period of seven years. But sometime in the middle of this, it says in the middle of this week, he's going to put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings. And that's speaking of sacrifice and grain offerings in the temple, the holy temple in Jerusalem. And he's talking about these abominations that are going to come. So these wicked things that are going to come as well as desolations and destructions that are going to happen until the very end when that desolation and destruction is poured out on this one, this Antichrist. So we know that Antichrist is going to attack Jerusalem and is going to set himself up in the temple as though he were God. And he is going to put a stop to the sacrifice and the grain offerings. This passage in Daniel tells us two things. Number one, that there has to be some sort of temple, even if it's in the form of a tent on top of the, on top of the mount in Jerusalem, there has to be a temple. Right now there is not. Number two, it tells us that they have to be making sacrifices in order for the Antichrist to stop these things. And of course, as we learned earlier, that the Antichrist has to be revealed through the abomination of desolations before the return of Christ. And so we're just backtracking from that time, that timestamp that God gives us in multiple places that the Antichrist will be here first. We can back up and see these other things that also have to happen. So we see that the temple needs to be rebuilt and the sacrificial system has to be in place. Those things are not yet. And so the rapture and the second coming of Christ cannot yet come until those things are fulfilled. Because some people want to say that Jesus can come back at any time. But the truth is, is that Jesus will fulfill every word of God and every single word will be fulfilled. And so we, we can know that God is going to be true to his word. And because he said that these things have to happen first, we know that his coming won't happen until after this.
since we've already established that the resurrection and the rapture of the dead, spoken of in 1 Thessalonians, that the rapture and the resurrection of the dead are part and parcel of Jesus' second coming, and we also know that this word, that this terminology, the day of the Lord, is connected with this. It is part and parcel of this because Paul used these terms interchangeably. Let's see what's going to happen before the day of the Lord, because we can find this throughout Old Testament scriptures as well, and we find some, some more clues in Matthew 24. And if you want to learn even more about the sign of Christ's return, I have a series for you. It's actually a three-part series that I will link a playlist to for you right there, where you can find out exactly what Jesus told the disciples would happen before his return and what the sign of his return would be. Additionally, I have an amazing study for you guys. You will be amazed to find out what the Bible has to say about the sign of Christ's return. It's talked about in many places in the Bible, both Old Testament and New, and I would say that it is the sign that is most often mentioned in the Bible, the celestial sign, the sign in the heavens that is most often mentioned in the Bible. And this series that I have for you, or this video that I have for you, I'll link to up here as well, and it is called Celestial Darkening. We're going to find out what has to happen before his return. See, the Lord doesn't leave us clueless. He tells us these things. If only we will read his word and we'll believe what it has to say. So let's go ahead and let's just dive right into a specific portion of Matthew 24, and let's look here what Jesus said would happen. Matthew 24, verse 21 for then there will be a great tribulation such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now nor ever will okay he's speaking here after the abomination of of desolation he's speaking here after about after the event where antichrist sets himself up in the temple as though he is god then the great tribulation happens i will I want to make mention of this to you guys because there are many teachers out there that teach incorrectly that the entire last seven year period is called the tribulation or that there will be tribulation for the entire last seven years. That is not correct. Jesus tells us that it is after the abomination of desolation that what he calls the great tribulation begins to occur. Also, many pre-trib teachers will teach you that tribulation is equal to God's wrath. And that is not what Jesus says. Jesus never uses the word wrath in the Greek, never uses that word to talk about the tribulation. The word in the Greek that is used for tribulation actually refers to persecution and affliction, those type of things. The word wrath is a completely different word, and you can do a word study on that, and you can see exactly when the wrath of God begins. So yes, we are promised deliverance from the wrath of God, and that is the purpose of the rapture, is to remove us from the earth before God pours out his judgment on the earth. Just as Jesus said in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. So in the days of Noah, he removed Noah by putting him hidden away inside the ark, and then he poured out his judgment on the earth. In the same way, in the days of Lot, during his destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, first he snatched he snatched Lot and his family out quickly just before judgment came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And you see here that the rescuing happens on the same day as judgment being poured out. And so that's why Jesus and Paul in the New Testament tell us that our rapture is going to happen and then the judgments are going to be poured out just as what's mentioned in the Old Testament as far as the day of the Lord. It's just beautiful and masterfully woven. How You can see how the Holy Spirit has totally directed the, the writing of all the scriptures because they totally make sense when you read them in light of one another. So that's what we're speaking of right here is the Great Tribulation. Um, we're reading in verse 21, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. 
Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And in Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31, we read, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, sometimes it's the little words that really matter. It says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send his angels he will send forth his angels and with a great trumpet they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky unto the other so we see here that the sign of the coming of the Son of Man doesn't happen until after the Great Tribulation. And again, that this has not happened yet. This has not occurred yet. So we know that the rapture will not happen in three days from now on September 23rd, 2017. It's just not going to happen. Too much prophecy has yet to be fulfilled. Jesus's message, which was recorded in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke and was also reiterated in John's revelation that was given to him are clear that first birth pains would happen upon the earth, wars, earthquakes, famines, persecutions, and apostasy would all have to come first. Then the Antichrist would come and set himself up as God in the temple. Then third, the great tribulation has to happen. And then fourth, we see what's next, that there will be a sign of the Son of Man called the celestial, I call it the celestial darkening. That sign has to happen first. Number five, the next thing that has to happen is that all these nations will mourn, realizing and recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. And they will see the one whom they have pierced and they will mourn. The sixth thing that will happen then is that all nations will see the coming of the Son of Man. It will be public and visible as lightning goes across the sky from one end to the other. Every eye will see his coming and it will be no secret. In Isaiah, the sign is mentioned again in connection with the day of the Lord. In, ver in chapter 13, verses 9 and 10, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fire and burning anger, to make the land a desolation. He will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash their light, and the sun will be darkened when it rises, and the moon will not shed his light. We've just examined a few scriptures today that prove without a shadow of a doubt that there are things that are left to be fulfilled before the coming of Christ, before the second coming of the Lord and our rapture. There are many more scriptures that we can go through speaking of the day of the Lord and the celestial darkening. Again, if you have not watched my wildly popular video on the celestial darkening, I'll put a link up for you up there so that you can reference that as well as I'll probably put one for you in the description box as well. So the reason that I'm saying all of this to you is because with all this hype going around on the internet saying that the rapture is going to happen on September 23rd, it gives, it puts Christians in a bad light because that day is going to come and pass. And I'm not saying that something won't happen. We talked about this in our Revelation 12 series. Something very well could happen, but it's not going to be the rapture.
But when many Christians postulate and circulate all over the internet that this is going to be the rapture and then it doesn't happen, does this give credibility to the Christian message? The problem is, is that Christians aren't going off what the Bible has to say about it. And so when you fail to go off what the Bible has to say, you're going to get some things wrong. Now, I've seen many Christians say, well, no man is going to know the day or the hour, as Jesus mentioned to us. And what many of you don't realize is that when Jesus said no man is going to know the day or the hour, he's actually pointing toward and alluding toward one feast of all of the seven feasts that the Jewish people celebrate. There's one feast that is talked about with this phrase, no man knows the day or the hour. Do you know which feast it is? It is the Feast of Trumpets. It is the Feast of Trumpets. And so that feast is talking about that because that feast could not begin until the priests saw with their own eyes the new moon. And so when they saw that happen, they could calculate roughly when it was going to appear above the horizon, but it, but it could be within a day or two, one day or the other. In other words, they knew the season, they knew approximately when it was going to happen, but they didn't know the day. And so likewise, it will probably be like that on the Feast of Trumpets that we won't know the day or hour. That is my speculation because that's the next one to be fulfilled. Yet it can't be on the Feast of Trumpets this year for the reasons that we just explored here. So if you want to help your brothers and sisters in Christ to not be disillusioned about the end times, to not be dismayed when the rapture does not happen on September 23rd, 2017, I encourage you to share this video with them so that they can be reading the scriptures and so that they can be prepared for them and their family to be prepared for the events that have to happen first. Jesus told us that the last days were going to be like a woman travailing in labor. So these pains are going to be greater and greater. And for those of us that have given birth, and I've given birth to big children, one that was almost 11 pounds, I know what labor is like. Labor can be like a near-death experience, okay? And then finally, whew, at the end, you're delivered and the new, the new kingdom comes, the new thing comes. And so that is what we are to expect in these last days, that it is going to be intense. It is going to possibly, it will be painful. It um, will be agonizing potentially at times. But eventually, deliverance is going to come. And when it comes, just like when the mother gets the newborn baby and every tear is wiped away from her eye, all of her suffering is gone, and all she can think about is this new baby that has come, that's what it's going to be like when the new kingdom comes. And that's what Jesus is bringing. And so we can take courage. We can give each other hope in these things that this season is short, just like a labor has a beginning and an end. There will be a beginning and an end, even though the tribulation that comes upon the earth is going to be like never before in history. It has an end. We know that this period will not last more than seven years. And in fact, the great tribulation will be shorter than that. And so we can encourage each other that it is not going to be that long. Once these things all begin to happen, we can stand up, look up, because our salvation is going to be drawing nigh. Our salvation draws nigh. We can look for that hope of Jesus coming on the clouds to put an end to the suffering, to put an end to the devil's reign and to the devil's work here on earth. But things are going to get bumpy, folks. It's going to get bumpy before the end. And I want you to be rooted in the truth so that you are not dismayed when the messages of these false teachers do not come to pass. So, you guys, we've got to be like the Bereans in this day and age. We've got to be in prayer and reading our Bibles. And this Bible study time we had together is fantastic, but it's not enough. You need to be reading the Word of God on your own. You need to be studying the Scriptures on your own. 
Spend time equipping yourself and your family for these days that are about to come on the earth. Thank you so much for joining us for Bible study today. And I sure enjoy studying the scriptures with you guys. And I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and smash that subscribe button down below because we have amazing new videos about Revelation chapter 15 and the rest of the book of Revelation. If you want to find out how this thing all shakes out, if you want to find out how it all comes out in the end, you are not going to want to miss the last few chapters of Revelation. So make sure to smash the subscribe button down below and share this video with your friends. This has been Dana with the Wisdom Calls channel, helping you to understand the Bible better so that you can have a better relationship with God. He's coming soon, folks. Get ready. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Wisdom Calls podcast. For more exclusive content, visit whatyourpastornevertoldyou.com. Sign up for emails and get updates. Also, there you'll find our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channels. Thanks for listening and join us next time.